You're listening to 3CR's Renegade Economist with your host, Carl Fitzgerald, as we investigate the role of landlords, bankers and natural monopolies through the eyes of the commons. Our birthrights, our birthrights. Welcome listeners, wouldn't that be nice if we actually had some earth rights, some birthrights to entering this planet as equals to past generations, to uh, those who own the earth, uh, to those who run businesses, to those who are laying bricks. We all need solid foundations upon which to base our lives and having the equality of opportunity of accessing the earth is core to that primary function of being able to look after ourselves. But uh, each and every day, more and more of the earth, more and more of the natural monopolies, the building blocks of life are being privatized at incredible cost in a manner that due to our low levels of economic literacy, people such as Donald Trump can storm into uh, the highest uh, position of power on the planet uh, using none other than doublespeak to get there. Such a populist wave of concern about the state of democracy, the state of the planet, the state of the wealth gap that... uh, a snake oil charmer like him can get through. Uh, it's just uh, incredible. So we're going to uh, tour through some of uh, our uh, core themes here on The Renegade Economist. And uh, starting off with macro business, Australian household debt out of control. And Switzerland has the highest household debt to GDP in the world at 128%, Denmark number two at 124%, and Australia at 123%. Now, core to this, uh, I want you to uh, recognise is that we're talking about household debt here. This is private debt. It's not the public debt that has been used as a battering ram to destroy the social functions of government, the, the the, uh, the safety nets that have been put in place to ensure that uh, the homeless um, have a second chance and aren't just thrown onto the scrap heap uh, of uh, uh, right-wing shock jock radio topics. So, uh, yeah, it's quite something uh, to, to see that uh, uh, councillors at the National Debt Helpline deal with Uh, the financial problems and uh, are now even getting calls from property investors, uh, quotes uh, Macro Business. In the last quarter of 2016, phone calls to the service jumped 12% on the previous year to an average 11,079 per month, she said. That's double the rate of increase of the same period a year earlier. The Commonwealth Bank's Gareth Aird says there's so much household debt that a couple of rate hikes here will completely knock the wind out of the housing market and a lot of people would be impacted by it. The concerns uh, continue as Australia um, is now a month away from finding out whether we're officially in recession. Our next GDP figures will be out um, in the first week of March and it's going to be very interesting to see what was happening uh, back in the, the September quarter, September to December quarter, uh, and see how uh, the great Australian economic miracle was bailed out again of being called a recession. 
so many people are living under this drain of paying 40% plus in rents or mortgage costs for somewhere to live that essentially uh, it's an entrance fee to life on earth. And this rent really should be going back towards government to fund some of the services rather than align uh, the pockets of people like Blackstone CEO Steve Schwartzman, who we reported recently, is on a $700 million annual salary. That's not including uh, share bonuses and the like. I really need to build a bit of a um, a jingle up for this, but uh, the loophole of the week. Another one we reveal here on 3CR's Renegade Economists and finder.com.au talks a bit about partial capital gains tax exemptions. Now, remember, a capital gains tax is is basically a crude way to capture some of the rising value of location, location. And uh, uh, they write, while avoiding capital gains tax liability altogether may not be possible if you haven't lived in the property before you rented it out, you can still generally apply for partial exemptions in some circumstances. You bought a property with the intention of renting it out, but later you changed your mind and moved in. If you change your mind and decided to live in the property you purchased rather than rent it, you'll be partially exempt from paying some capital gains tax. There's a a particular term they use here, the temporary absence rule. There we go, the temporary absence rule. And so that is, if you move out of your home and rent it out under the law, the property is still treated as your principal residence for a period of up to six years. If you sell the property within this time, from uh, you will be exempt from paying capital gains tax if you profit from the sale. You are also exempt from paying proper, uh, capital gains tax on the income generated from the leasing of the property. So I'm going to uh, get that question on notice to see if it works the other way. What happens if you do, like the first example I gave, what happens if you do move in for a little while and then uh, move out? uh, Do they track um, those number of days that you lived in the property to ensure that you at least paid some capital gains tax based on that time you lived in the property? Well, who knows? There is such a little... Uh, analysis and transparency on this whole um, uh, postcode hopping issue we've talked about many times where uh, property investors, uh, particularly first-time property investors, are advised to uh, change their voting address, change their mobile phone bill and a couple of other utility bills, turn on the power and... um, yeah, sit back and uh, and pretend that you're living in that place so that you can avoid paying capital gains tax. Well, uh, now we've uncovered this temporary absence rule, uh, you mightn't even really need to do that. You might just need to live there for uh, a couple of months and that's it. So uh, all the advantages are on the side of property and uh, that is having incredible ramifications on future current generations coming through and an absolute killer of an article uh, was released uh, called The High Cost of a Home is Turning American Millennials into the New Surfs. That's on the dailybeast.com. I'll get those show notes up pretty soon. And uh, they say that, according to the Census Bureau, um, uh, millennials earn, even with a full-time job, 2000 less in real dollars than the same age group made in 1980. 
Um, uh, more than 20% of people 18 to 34 live in, pro- live in poverty, up from 14% in 1980. How's this one? A millennial with both a college degree and college debt, according to recent analysis by the Federal Reserve, earns about the same as a boomer without a degree did at the same age. My oh my. And Stanford economist uh, Raj Shativ finds that someone born in 1940 had a 92% of earning more than their parents. A boomer born in 1950 had a 79% chance of earning more than their parents. Those born in 1980, they've just got a 46% chance of earning more than their parents. So the millennial housing crisis is reshaping the geography of opportunity. And Hispanics are hurting. They're accounting for 42% of all California millennials, but they endure home ownership roughly half that seen in the other parts of the country. Gee, would anyone like to think why some statistics like that might be leading to to elements of crime in the Hispanic uh, community? I wonder if uh, those shock jocks would even think about that sort of wider scale analysis. So uh, over in uh, Britain, uh, Oliver Wainwright in The Guardian wrote, Britain has enough land to solve the housing crisis. It's just being hoarded. And he writes, Details are murky because such deals, such land banking deals, don't have to be registered publicly. But the House Builders Strategic Land Bank show there's an additional 480,000 plots in a state of limbo. A 2012 study for the Greater London Authority found that 45% of sites in London with planning permission for new homes were owned by a company which did not build homes. Chris Bowen, a chief executive of Igloo Regeneration, says developers can make much bigger profits by simply selling plots than building houses on them adding that the whole land value issue is a symptom of how our approach to development and granting permissions has changed. When the planning system began in 1947, we said the value of a planning permission should go to the public good, he explains. The uplift from a field to a housing development was owned by the public. Now we've completely changed the model whereby we almost grant planning permission for free and the developer takes all the profit. So that's a big, big, uh, uh, so, you know, that's summarizing so much of what we've talked about here, those couple of stories. And uh, the pressures that are building up in society are going to have to uh, lead to uh, the sort of deep diving into these issues. Uh, I just hope and pray for someday, somewhere, someone influential is going to find this podcast and share it with 100,000 followers and people are really going to dig into this problem of unearned and earned income because uh, the the effects just add up. And uh, uh, in the recent American census, they added a new tick box and it was for food insecurity. And surprise, surprise, uh, uh, the survey looked at uh, a whole pile of factors, uh, including home ownership, race, and having a disability in relation to food security. Results showed that homeowners had only a 4.9% uh, rate of food insecurity, but for renters, 
it was 15.5%, meaning they had low or very low food security, a.k.a. the old two-minute noodle story. So uh, let's just have a a listen to someone uh, who should be on everyone's radar. This is uh, uh, the CEO of Blackstone Capital, one of the largest private equity firms on on the planet, uh, talking about how to make a deal. Deals really have to do with the overlap of what one side wants and the other side wants. And it's really just the discovery uh, of where that overlap is and how you decide to get there. I've been doing this for uh, over 40 years. It gets easier uh, in a way the more you do things. You have to be able to read the people who are opposite you and there are all kinds of ways of doing that from listening to intonations in their voice to observing them. When I was uh, much younger I realized that when I was handling something very large, and my breathing rate uh, would increase, and that would affect my ability to, to think as well as I normally would. And so I, I have these little cues, uh, so when that starts happening, I slow down. Uh, you, you never have to speed up. You can always slow down. And when it regards money, people will wait uh, for, for the answer. If you're lucky enough to uh, be in the position of control, to to be the deal maker, well, he's probably the deal breaker there, really, uh, enforcing uh, his sense of market power. And so if uh, for, for new listeners, uh, for probably four years now, I've been following Blackstone Capital as uh, they have been pushing the latest form of derivatives out of Wall Street. These are the rental-backed mortgage securities, not residential, but rental-backed mortgage securities. Uh, Essentially, uh, Wall Street decided that after they got away with the GFC, uh, the land market blew up back in uh, the first quarter of 2006, uh, wiping out a whole pile of small and medium-sized finance companies through 06, 07, and then finally by September, I think 17, uh, 2008, down went uh, Lehman Brothers and all of a sudden uh, uh, there was talk about these uh, derivatives that caused problems and then it was the stock options, uh, uh, those uh, betting against the market who were to blame, but uh, uh, they basically got away with uh, blue murder There was a few uh, slaps on the wrist for uh, some of the banks in terms of uh, risky lending, but only a couple of people ever went to jail. Virtually no one was penalised for it. And uh, uh, best of all for the the 0.01%, the ultimate rent seekers, the true predators uh, of upon community activity, uh, uh, nothing was said about the role of land banking and land speculation, which is what originally forced everyone into such high debts. So Blackstone uh, has a $10 billion bet on the table. I think we've got a market cap of around about uh, half a trillion dollars almost now. They're a massive, massive company. And uh, in the U.S., uh, the U.S. stock market's worth $20 trillion. Well, the value of U.S. homes is that $35 trillion. 
similar to here in Australia where uh, the share market capitalization is probably around about $1.7, $1.8 trillion, but the value of land and housing must be up around the $5.5 trillion dollars. Uh, with the land component to that, probably around about $4.4 trillion. They don't uh, value uh, land itself in America. They uh, uh, collapse it into housing, so people don't really notice that it's the land that they're borrowing for the supposed um, birthright to be born onto the planet. As equals, that's just papered over and not even looked at. So uh, since uh, the GFC... Um, they've spent, well, big investors have spent at least $32 billion buying and fixing up homes. They own between 1% and 2% of all U.S. rental homes uh, using other people's capital. Uh, that is uh, not risking their own capital, using these rental-backed mortgage securities, meaning they package up 100 different properties and sell them as one of these rental-backed mortgage securities uh, tranches to the market, and then the rent from those properties goes to repaying uh, those uh, those derivative holders and uh, over the last six or seven years they've been doing this um, uh, I think uh, yeah they're saying here that Blackstone's company Invitation Homes have sold nearly a third of all debt backed by rent so they've basically paid off a third of all the money they've borrowed from the market using uh, these higher and higher rents they keep enforcing on the people. So this is the big danger for me. This is the corporatization of the rental market. Uh, the remaining 35% of the population who don't own housing are, are to be trapped as uh, uh, serfs, if you like, um, in America. And I should uh, correct that number because uh, uh, they're at record lows in America in terms of um, uh, home ownership, as I try and find that. Um, I think they're around about 62, yeah, 62.9%. Um, of uh, the American public owned homes is down to a 51 year low. So uh, the price has crashed. We had the market correction, and of course, uh, because uh, the banking system was so heavily criticized uh, for the GFC, the everyday person couldn't uh, find employment and therefore they couldn't get a job. And because of that, it left this big hole in the property market that uh, these private equity firms jumped into. And, uh, yeah, what is so scary is that um, in the coming weeks, we are going to find out uh, just how valuable this is to the U.S. Uh, stock market in this uh, Trumpian era of uh, Uber real estate investment incentives. So Blackstone's the biggest... Um, uh, rental-backed mortgage securities type corporation or invitation homes that is, is under their umbrella. But uh, Starwood Waypoint Residential Trust began tr did its IPO online, basically sold, cap sold itself to the share market in early 2014. And earlier this year, they merged uh, with fellow real estate mogul Thomas J. Barrick and changed its name to Colony Starwood Homes to become the country's third largest landlord. So after a slow start of both Colony and American Homes for Rent being online, their shares took off 
last year, rising 27% and 33% respectively, far exceeding the S&P 500 7.9% gain. So these guys are creaming other businesses in terms of returns. Usually, uh, you know, even 7.9% is a pretty darn good year on the share market. But here we are, 27, 33% returns. That is incredible. Now, uh, Blackstone is lining up uh, their, um, God, they've got, uh, I think, over 100,000 homes they've picked up. And this, the crazy thing is this Wall Street Journal article, I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, called Blackstone's $10 billion bet, uh, has a, a nifty little infographic showing that back in t- 2010, at the depths of the GFC, uh, Homes owned by large investors were were virtually zero. There was less than uh, uh, two thousand odd homes, sort of thing. Well, here we are, um, according to this graph, in uh, mid twenty sixteen, and they're owning around about one hundred and fifty five thousand properties. But I have seen estimates of up to three hundred and fifty thousand properties. So uh, this space is growing rapidly, and yeah, which um, is is a worry that this corporatization is going to continue. And so Invitation Homes uh, announced recently they'd secured a $1 billion 10-year loan commitment from Fannie Mae and Wells Fargo. And so that loan will be securitized and backed by a pool of single-family rental properties. So uh, they're not even really having to sell to the market now. They're doing these big deals with public institutions to tie up uh, this um, corporatization of the rental market, pushing aside the sort of mum, single mum and dad investors that you'd often find someone who was uh, ethically minded and, and not after securing uh, every last penny out of the market. Uh, you know, I often talk about uh, those who find um, the uh, property owner who bought their property in the 1980s and has their rent maybe at a 1990s level. That's enough for them. Uh, they haven't increased their rents uh, up to current market day levels. And uh, remember when we had uh, comedian Friendly Geordies on the radio show, he was talking about how he's one of those lucky people who's who's got that rental discount. And the difference between the rent you were paying in uh, basically the 80s compared to uh, now in 2017, well, that difference doesn't really relate to the quality of your housing. It relates to the location of where you live. And uh, that differential is called an unearned income because that landlord has not improved that property significantly. He's not um, made it bigger uh, he has just been able to benefit from the development of society, of the new train stations, of the new funky cafes nearby, of the uh, trees that people have planted to make living in that community more profitable. And this is where we go to say, look, how mad is it? Our wages are socialised in that we are taxed for working. Companies efforts are socialized they're taxed for producing but when it comes to the earnings through real estate they are privatized so we've got the whole system upside down what we're saying is if the 268 billion dollar increase in australian land values last year was 
channeled towards government, that would mean that land prices would fall, reducing the ability of people to, the need for people to borrow so much money because 70 to 80% of every mortgage is land related. So we'd have huge interest savings, we'd have huge savings on principal. That'd mean there'd be a lot more money left to save, to pay off our debts, to spend in our local communities, to work towards starting up our own business uh, where meaningful jobs can be created uh, in our own local community. That's what we really, really need. But uh, alas, no, uh, things keep changing. So uh, in, I talked a, a couple of weeks ago about uh, how in Canada, uh, British Columbia imposed a 15% tax on foreign investment, uh, which was a popular Chinese investment frontier. And uh, I also mentioned that there'd been a vacancy tax of 1% on uh, the assessed value of an empty property. I did also make a mistake of saying that uh, we had a vacancy tax here in uh, Victoria, but we have an absentee tax, which is uh, a similar sort of to the the 15% tax on foreign investment. Ours is uh, a 1.5% land tax and a uh, 7% stamp duty on foreign investors. So uh, these um, elements have changed. You know, tax I talk about uh, as uh, the carrot that really changes the the behaviour of the market. And so Chinese web searches for Vancouver have plummeted 37% since the imposition of this tax in August uh, last year. So what has happened? Well, Seattle is the new Vancouver, just 120 miles away. And uh, a real estate agent said he received a call from a Chinese man within 72 hours of the tax passing who said he represented 20 families interested in buying real estate in Seattle. So all of these issues and this mobility of capital, it keeps uh, pushing us back to this question of, of how to pay for society in a way that's equitable between generations, between different industries, and rebalances the natural advantages of, uh, of uh, those who own the earth over people trying to run a business or earn a wage. Well, I was reminded of a report uh, that Caroline Lucas for the UK Green Party uh, produced back in uh, 2013, authored by uh, land reform analyst Andy Whiteman. And uh, he, he pointed out how um, the owner of the most expensive flat in London's one Hyde Park development pays only £1,370 in council tax. That's 0.001% of its $135 million value. Meanwhile, the Sultan of Brunei pays only $32 a month more in council tax for his Kensington Palace Gardens home than some of the poorest people in that borough. And what this is talking about is the distortions within the property tax system. In the UK, it's particularly muddied over there. They've done everything they can to destroy uh, the concept of... Uh, of uh, in ensuring that some of those aristocratic families pay their fair share. And so what um, we really need to do is to scrap most of the property taxes and replace them with a land value tax. Uh, this is a tax based on the yearly valuation of your location and uh, essentially it would force onto the market those 480,000 plots that have been uh, hoarded in uh, London 
and ensure that that supply went onto the market. On top of that, uh, uh, there'd be dozens of empty homes, uh, empty mansions uh, uh, beyond the plots of land they've quoted there that also would have to pay a tax and have to become economic. So that's why we keep talking about this old story of uh, a land tax. It helps set up Canberra uh, to keep the aristocrats away and ensure that the public got a share of all of the public infrastructure it was investing. And my oh my, it's time we got serious about making it happen because with this mobility of capital, it's only going to get worse. All right, my name's Carl Fitzgerald. Thanks so much for joining us here on 3CR's beloved public airwaves. I look forward to revealing...